Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddad. So, as always, I want to start out by thanking my listeners, my guests for sharing their expertise in the show, and everyone who's following us on social media. If you're not following us already, follow us at Queen of Calm podcast on Instagram and at Queen of Calm pod on Twitter. There I share who's coming up on the show with episode announcements every Monday. And on Wednesdays, I share a clip from each episode, as well as my listener questions on our Instagram stories, as well as other fun posts, quizzes. And I'm also working on some Instagram lives for later in the year, so be sure to stay tuned for that. And on Twitter, I'm getting better about posting about episodes, so be sure to retweet, share with your friends. And because my goal is always to make sure that college-age listeners, as well as young professionals, are hearing the expertise that my guests share, because I feel like I'm learning so much from talking with them, and I hope that you all are too. So as for today's industry insights, I first have to start by sharing the results of my poll from last week, which was all about product placements in movies and television. So you all agreed that product placements are an effective PR strategy, and I just think this is so important to talk about because especially there's been product placements, like I said in last week's episode, since the dawn of time. But I think with social media and influencers and, you know, having the availability of links and people looking out for these. While I was doing research for last week's episode, I came across this website and I think it was called like product placement dot com or something like that. And they literally had a screenshot from every movie and TV show of all time of every product placement they've had, where to get it, what the name was, what, you know, if it was a drink, what flavor it was. I just found that so interesting. So there are people out there watching for these product placements. And so many times I've found myself, you know, going to Google something after I see it on TV. Like, for example, last summer I was watching Outer Banks season two. And in the show, they went to a party and they all were having Mai Tais in the can. And I was like, wow, that's so cool that they have Mai Tais in the can that don't have to be, you know, mixed together. So I immediately headed to Google and I typed in Mai Tais in the can, Outer Banks, which that was already a trending topic, which I found was funny. So I was not the only one going to look this up. Um, But then after some thorough research, they do not exist. So Netflix, if you're listening to this, you should should get those together for season three for some branded products, Outer Banks canned Mai Tais. But um, just that's just an example of, you know, seeing something on screen and then immediately going to look it up. And so I think so many brands, especially with, like I said, with influencers and being able to access things online, People more than ever are paying attention to those little moments and they want to be like the characters on the TV shows or movies. So I definitely think it's effective. But as for today's industry insights, this kind of stemmed from a you know rabbit hole I went down as I was doing some research for my show. So I was reading this article from InsideRadio.com and it was talking about how they conducted research with different age groups and they were all asking them the question, are podcasts the same as radio? So I definitely think they are. I mean, just like traditional radio, we're listening to them as we're heading to work, as we're working from home, you know, while we're in the car, we're taking a walk, we're running. I mean, you're listening to them all the time and, you know, you're hearing from radio personalities. I mean, a lot of radio personalities do traditional shows, but they also have podcasts or they simulcast, um, you know, celebrities, all these different people who are getting into the radio space. And, you know, even with advertising, which I'll talk about in a minute, that's kind of the same. I mean, the same type of radio commercials you hear in between. And as much as they are annoying, I think they're effective. I mean, and something I'll talk about, too. So through this through this article that I read, I also found another article from The Hollywood Reporter, which was talking about all of these talent agencies who uh, represent A-listers or content creators or influencers. They're all trying to get their clients deals with podcasting platforms like Spotify, Amazon, or Wondery. 
to hone in on those advertising deals and, you know, really build their brand out because podcasts are a great way to build your brand. If you're, you know, a personality or you are a company and you want a, a way to get your message out there, it's a perfect way. I mean, you can, you know, tailor it to any subject. You can have different guests on from your company or, you know, your personality. Um, you know, I think it's a great branding tool. And so I just found that so interesting because like I was saying before, as I started, um, you know, these advertisements can be annoying. You know, you're trying to listen to your favorite show, but, you know, an advertisement pops up. But at the same time, I feel like me as a listener, I always want to hear my podcasters that I, you know, religiously listen to every week, partner with brands that really align with the show. And so I feel like there's such a great opportunity for brands looking to get into certain markets by researching podcasts that reach that audience because, I think that a lot of people, like we've talked about on the show, are looking for that transparency and authenticity, and they hope that the podcasts they follow are aligning with brands that go along with their personal brand and what they believe in. So I think it's very interesting. I do think podcast spots are very valuable, and I've been you know, keeping up on all that news about advertisements and how the industry is going. So I have two questions for you all this week. Do you think that podcasts should be considered radio? And as for advertising, what are your takes on that? Do you think it's effective? Um, you know, do you care if it aligns with a brand or you, do you just, you know, want to hear a regular ad and get back to your show? Let me know on my Instagram stories. I'll be posting this after the episode comes out and I'm excited to hear all of your thoughts. But as for today's episode, um, it's all about finding your niche and that every company needs communications. You know, my guest today is in the waste industry, and so she works as a customer experience implementation specialist. So I think that's so valuable because, you know, the people who you're trying to brand to and get more customers are those publics who are, you know, investing in your product or buying it or, you know, subscribing to your newsletter, things like that. People who are taking action with your brand, they're the most important people when you're working on a PR plan. And so, you know, listening to those customer you know, sentiments are super important. So she'll talk about that as well as, you know, finding your niche in the industry. As we've talked about so many times in the podcast, communications are available in every single industry. Everyone needs communication. So whatever your interests are, or if you, you know, get into a job and you find, you know, an industry that you really like, you can go after it. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in your career. And that's definitely what happened to my guest today. So she'll talk about finding your niche you know, working in customer satisfaction, as well as her career as a whole. And she's so interesting. So be sure to stay tuned for the interview. You're really going to enjoy. My next guest began her journey in communications by gaining a degree in journalism, then making the jump into PR and marketing, and now finding a new outlook on communications through her role as a customer experience specialist for the world's third largest waste and recycling company, Waste Connections. Please welcome Brianna Langley to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Paisley. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So why don't we get started out by asking, how did you get started in communications and what made you interested in studying that? Um, okay, <clears throat> well, that we have to go very, very far back. <laughs> so um, I've always been a communicator. Uh, I think for some of us, that just comes naturally, right? I mean, I think some people are just born with this natural love for communicating and interest in it. 
before I learned how to read and write, even, I was like already crafting these compelling debates and arguments with my parents on why I should have an extra scoop of ice cream or whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they probably thought I was going to be a lawyer. So hopefully they're not too disappointed. Um, but no, at my core, I, I think I've always loved stories. Like when it comes down to it, I think storytelling is just a beautiful form of expression. Um, I think every natural communicator kind of has that same affinity. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you could speak to that. I'm sure you totally understand. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I always thought, this is kind of funny. I always thought I was going to be like a creative fiction writer, <laughs> like when I was younger. Um, I, I kind of, I wrote, quote unquote, wrote my first like mini novel when I was nine years old. So I like, I couldn't type very well. So my sweet, long-suffering mother I would literally stand there while she's at the computer and like orate and she would like type the words while I was like orating <laughs> the story to her it's so funny now but like I can, I can still remember the plot to that story um and yeah so I guess that's how it started um so naturally when it came time for me to start thinking about college and what I might want to study in school um, I told my dad that I wanted to study uh, creative writing and <laughs> that conversation did not go as planned. Um, he, he's my father. I love him, but he is ever the realist. Right. And so we sat down and had this long talk and he was like, I think you have a gift. I think that's awesome that you want to go into writing, but I really want you to try to find a field that like will for sure land you a job after, <laughs> after you graduate. Not to say that creative writing wouldn't, but looking back at the time I was like so mad. Right. But looking back, I, I'm, I'm really thankful for that because we kind of sat down together and I think over the course of two weeks, we like narrowed it down to a few things. And I'll be honest, I don't even remember what the other options were. I just remember he said journalism was one option. And I remember thinking about like, you know, the old tiny newspapers, like sitting in the cigar smoke filled <laughs> newsrooms and like typing out the next like Watergate scandal story, like just <laughs> crazy things like that. Um, and instantly I was like, yeah, I want to do journalism. So yeah, no regrets, but that's, that's definitely kind of, that's where it started. I loved how you mentioned that you had that, you know, love of storytelling early on and that you're really passionate about that because I feel like I can, you know, speak to that as you said too. And, um, you know, everyone who yeah. I felt was in my major as well in college, they were always like the orientation leaders or they were in theater or dance and on the side or doing something creative, like creative writing. So I really like how you mentioned that. And, you know, it's funny, mostly everyone that I talk to on this podcast, you know, doesn't know what to go out to uh, go out for in college starting out, you know, they always find communications through a backdoor through some other interest. So I love that story that you shared about starting out in creative writing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's funny to think about. Now. I still love it. Like I, I read all the time. I love that kind of stuff. So what was your time in college like? And how did that help you refine your interests to what you're doing now? <clears throat> yeah, um, I really I had a really amazing college experience uh middle I always like to say middle school was kind of horrible high school was much better and then college was like by far the best and I don't trust anyone who had a good middle school experience like right <laughs> off the bat do not trust you as a person uh no but of course I started by studying out journalism um I learned really quickly though like that the field of journalism uh was really not that old-timey newspaper like into the paper, like kind of journalism that I was looking for that I'd imagined. Um, and I knew early on that I really wasn't 
interested in radio or broadcast journalism. Um, and so that kind of left me very few options within the field of journalism. But, um, I, you know, I really don't regret it. Uh, I learned so much about storytelling. I, I even learned a lot about marketing because um, I think if you study journalism, what you're really studying is how to tell a story or convey a message in a way that's interesting for consumers, right? News consumers. Um, so yeah, my, my last two years at school, I did work for our student-led newscast team. Uh, so that was really fun. Um, we had an on-campus news outlet, like a news media outlet called Illumination Network. Uh, <laughs> and I became their assistant news producer, right? So I didn't really want to be a TV reporter. I knew I really didn't want to be on camera very much, um, but I still wanted to be involved because, I mean, I've heard you talk about it in previous episodes on your podcast, how important that is to get that credibility and that experience kind of up front um, while you're still a student. So I definitely wanted to be involved. Um, and so I ended up being the assistant news producer, which really was kind of a perfect fit because it, it is a little bit more artistic and you, you're kind of the person that's behind the scenes figuring out which you know, order the story should go in to make the show flow uh, nicely. And, and even like the video editing and stuff, like there were so many, so our newscast would air on Thursdays and there were so many Wednesday nights. I was like up till like four or 5 a.m. like putting the last like video editing touches on Final Cut Pro, like trying to get everything together and just looking just so, you know. Um, but I really enjoyed that. I lost a lot of sleep, but those were really, really great times. So I highly recommend that to anyone who's out there who's studying communications, journalism, whatever it is you're studying. If it's in the communications field, I really recommend um, if you have the opportunity to work with an on-campus news outlet, highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, I actually double majored. So not a lot of people know that. Um, I've always also been very fascinated with different cultures um, and just global politics and how international relations kind of shapes our world. Uh, so I spent half of my childhood overseas and I've traveled like very heavily as an adult. So I think that's just always something that's been a really big part of me. Um, so when I started, I, I was majoring strictly in journalism and I was going to minor in, I think it was international studies. Um, but I also decided like a few credits into that minor that I wanted to spend a semester studying abroad. And my, um, one of my professors, one of my political science professors at the time sat me down and was like, you know, you, you could study abroad and get like, I forget what it was now, it was like 12 automatic credit hours towards um, an international affairs major. Um, and so then after that, I would just have to do like a thesis and a couple more classes. So it was kind of a no brainer. So I, I decided to actually double major. Um, and through that, I feel like I learned a lot about how to just communicate with a, people from a wide array of backgrounds and just a variety of cultures and walks of life and all of that. So yeah, it's funny when you think back on all this stuff, because like, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to be doing now back then. And I had no idea like what I even wanted to do. Um, but all of literally all the lessons and experiences that I was taking from all these different things has really just um, prepared me for this role now. So it's just, I, I didn't even realize that until very recently, just looking back at it, it's kind of funny to get to put the pieces together in hindsight, you know? 
Yeah, definitely. And that's such an interesting pairing that you have with your majors, because I feel like a lot of people go for the traditional like PR and advertising or journalism and PR. And that's such a great point you bring up of being able to communicate to all these different groups. And um, I like that point that you mentioned, too, about, you know, getting that experience early on. You know, I feel like us as communications majors that we have such a gap in our um, curriculum to do these internships and work with on campus organizations or go abroad, get that experience. So I feel like that's such an important part of the experience for a communication student. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about how you went from getting this journalism degree and um, double majoring in international relations to jumping into PR and marketing. Um, yeah, so I think, like I said, pretty early on in my collegiate life and my collegiate experiences, um, I kind of realized that the world of journalism was changing. And I was I was coming up because I graduated college in 2016. So I was kind of coming up through those years, those very pivotal years where it was really just starting to like the whole industry was just changing. Um, and I, you know, be a journalist now, I think you have to kind of be a jack of all trades, right? So you kind of you have to have that very comprehensive online presence. You have to know how to put together an audio-only story for a radio spot. Uh, you, you have to know how to shoot and edit your own video footage. Um, you know, just, just being a good copywriter kind of isn't enough anymore. Um, and I, I'm just, I've always been more comfortable being in front of a keyboard than in front of a camera. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I knew that I would enjoy, like, certain parts of it, but I knew that, I knew myself well enough to know that the majority of what I would be doing wouldn't necessarily be something I would enjoy for a long period of time. So for me, um, even like pre-graduation, I kind of knew that it, that wasn't going to be my my ultimate uh, path. Um, I did take one marketing, literally one marketing <laughs> class in school. It was one of those, you know, those general education classes, I think they call them, like those electives that kind of everyone has to take that no one takes seriously. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up taking a marketing class for one of those and I loved it like I I don't even I don't think that professor would recognize me like I was literally in <laughs> one of her classes it was like a huge class but she like changed my life like that class changed my life and I loved it um I loved looking at the case studies I love studying consumer behavior theory um things like that it's almost scientific you know I like to say like marketing is like the most artistic form of the scientific method right <laughs> and I love that because I love I love experimentation I love analytic data um, I love seeing what works and what doesn't but then also being able to have that creative freedom and that creative leeway to kind of think outside the box about some of this stuff um, yeah it was, it was a lot different from you know straight up news reporting and and I, I really liked it um, unfortunately for me though that was I took that class like my last semester of school <laughs> so it was kind of too late to like change my mind um but that is that's how I deducted that I really wanted to go in a like more creative role within the communications field so marketing or PR as opposed to reporting or journalism um so those are the jobs I started looking for after I graduated um, and my first job after school was as a marketing coordinator for this nonprofit organization and I made like $25,000 a year, um, but I loved it. It was, it was great because the team was so small 
And at that time I was living also just like in a two bedroom apartment in the city with like my two best friends. So that, that, you know, that just out of school like that, that's just a fun time. Um, but yeah, I made so little money and I, I was on such a small team that I think um, I was just really given a lot of freedom to be able to hone my skills. Uh, and like looking back, I, I, they let me, you know, cut my teeth and try out different strategies and experiment with different types of marketing. So, um, and I don't think if I had started out in like a larger, more established, you know, for-profit company, I don't think I would have had that freedom to be able to kind of play around with it and figure out what I really enjoyed also about the job. So I'm just always going to be grateful to that boss who took a chance on me right out of school. And it was, it was such a fun job. Um, but a, a couple of years, so I did that for about two years. And then a couple of years into that, I had my old, actually my old internship mentor. And I've heard you talk about this too, how important networking is on the job. And it's really, really true. Um, but I interned with like a local newspaper my sophomore year of college. And my old internship mentor reached out to me. Um, yeah, I think it was two years into that marketing job. Uh, and he recommended that I apply for a PR coordinator position at the agency that he was at, now working for at that time. Um, and I really, I didn't know much about PR, um, but I was so young, right? <laughs> um, and I, I kind of knew like the organization I was in was never, like it was never a forever job. Um, they, were, they were just never going to be able to offer me much advancement as far as my career and stuff. No fault of theirs. They just weren't large enough for that. Um, so anyway, long story short, I decided to take the opportunity to apply to work with my old mentor, um, and I, I ended up getting the job. Um, within six months, they promoted me from a PR coordinator to a media relations specialist. So um, in that position, really my main role, my main job was to build rapport with and maintain relationships with members of the media, um, and especially with specific outlets that we knew our clients really wanted to be featured in and really saw the big value add or a big win for them, you know, to get an article and such and such magazine. So that was, and there's a lot of nuance that goes into that, but that was really my, my bottom line role was was building those relationships and maintaining those relationships. Um, and I, I mean, I genuinely enjoyed the work. I really liked PR. I really liked media relations, especially. Um, I, I felt like because of my journalism background, you know, I kind of knew what the reporters were looking for and what <laughs> angles to what kind of stories they might want. So I kind of knew what to pitch as far as that was concerned. Um, and it was just kind of like the flip side of the marketing coin that I'd already you know, kind of established myself in. So getting to work in that other, like the, I really don't know how else to say it, like the flip side of that coin was, it felt like a very natural uh, kind of comprehensive evolution. Um, and so that was, that was also really, really great. And I was there for about two years as well. Um, and I, I still genuinely love PR and I love the work. Um, I just knew, I think pretty, again, pretty early on into that, I, I knew that I would really prefer I think really my goal has always been to work in-house for like a single company. Um, when I really think back on it, I think that's just kind of always been the dream in the back of my mind. So um, that's, you know, about two years into it was when I started kind of looking around and applying for some more in-house positions that popped up. 
Yeah, I, I love how you mentioned that you found marketing through that one class because it's so crazy how, you know, you never know how you're going to find one of your interests or what your future career is. And, you know, just taking those chances in college when you have that opportunity to, you know, take a class you're interested in or, you know, jump into a new subject. And yes, those uh, connections are so important in building those relationships. So yeah. that is such a great example that you shared with your story about staying in touch with an internship um, boss that you had previously. That's such a great point that you brought up as well. And, you know, as both of us know, communications is everywhere in every industry. You know, everyone needs yeah. someone to represent them, whether it's PR or marketing. Yeah. So, you know, how did this um, journey in your communications journey lead you to this facet of communications and waste management? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So um, that's a story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I saw this one job opening. I know I mentioned that um, kind of towards the end of my time at the PR agency, I started kind of looking around online and, and you know, LinkedIn and different places for um, companies that were hiring for a marketing specialist or a PR specialist. Um, and I think it was actually on Indeed, like not to plug them or anything, but I think <laughs> it was. It was just like this random job opening on Indeed. And I, I think they titled it digital. It was like digital marketing specialist or something like that. It was a very vague. It was one of those ti like company titles you look at and you're like, if this wasn't like a like very established company, I would really question this role because this description is so vague. Um, but I was really intrigued. Um, you know, the, it, it was Waste Connections. So that's obviously like a very established company. Um, and my own personal passions, like around, like just in my own personal life, I've just always been very um, passionate about sustainability and environmentalism and all of that. And so the thought of kind of having a legitimate voice in that whole conversation, like within the waste industry, um, was just really exciting to me. And so the title was vague, the description was vague, but I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take the chance and apply and like, who knows. Um, so yeah, I applied and long story short, the interviews um, were all really great, but, and by the end, I think I had like three or four interviews and I loved everyone that I spoke with. I, I was really excited about working for this company. Um, but by the end of the interview process, my now boss and I kind of sat down and, you know, we kind of realized this isn't this isn't really a marketing role. Like it's digital marketing is a big part of what we do, but like this is a much like broader, more um, strategy focused type of role. And so we were kind of going back and forth about, you know, what my title should be um, and customer experience um, came, came up and it was, yeah, CX specialist or customer experience specialist was what we, we landed on. Um, and yeah, it's great. I, I love it. I feel like it really encompasses just journalism. Yes. As far as like the communication and everything goes. And I, I do, I get to talk to people from just all walks of life. Right. And so you have that kind of international flair in there too. Um, but also just the marketing and the PR, like when you think about it, the way I describe it is customer experience. I look at every major intersection that our customers have with our companies. So maybe that's, you know, CSR scripts, maybe that's the website, maybe that's our chatbot or mobile app. Um, all of those things are 
avenues through which customers can interact with us. And so I look at that whole, each individual process and the process as a whole, and I kind of, I try to figure out what can we do to make this convenient and easy for the customer, but also streamlined and manageable for the employee on the other end of that interaction. So it's a very holistic approach to the whole idea. So it's, it's customer experience is my title, but I, I like to take a more holistic approach to that because I think if employees are also having a good experience, they're the ones on the front lines who are really communicating firsthand with our customers. And so I think if they're having a good experience and they feel like their work is manageable, then that's going to transfer over to the customers, right? That, that energy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it. But Anyway, all that to say, it's, it's, it's very all-encompassing as far as all of my past experience. So I, I really couldn't imagine a more perfect role. I, I'm, I love it. Yeah, that, that customer experience aspect is so important to brands and what they're doing in their marketing PR strategies. And, um, you know, you can really take your journalism background because these newspapers, they're they have their finger on the pulse and you have the information that they want to know about what customers are saying about waste right. management. And you have, you know, all the tools to pass over to the PR team, what people want to talk about. So that's such an interesting role that you hold at, at your company. Um, and also I want to ask you, you know, what can brands in general be doing to communicate better with their customers? Because I know that it's such a world where we have all these different avenues of, you know, showing your comments and what you have to say. So definitely how can brands start communicating better with their customers with all these options around? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, and I'm honestly, I think that brands who seriously ask themselves that question um, and give an honest answer are the ones that are going to be the most successful at the end of the day. Right. And I, I know that sounds cliche, but I really don't think brands do that enough. Um, so I, what I found is so often, just going to speak generally for a second and then I'll get a little bit more nitty gritty with it, but so often I, I think brands like to position themselves in marketing and messaging and in advertising, um, as kind of the hero of the story, right? So, um, you know, I don't know, Jane Doe, uh, was really, really cold and, you know, this jacket company came in and saved her by offering her this amazing product and she would never have to walk outside and be cold again. So this jacket company is just amazing for doing this <laughs> stuff. And so it's like, they're really, they really position themselves as the heroes of the story when I think customers respond much more positively when they see themselves positioned as the hero, right? So Jane Doe kind of, if, if you were gonna take that same analogy, um, you would maybe say something like, you know, along the lines of Jane Doe made this decision to buy this awesome jacket. Uh, isn't, isn't she so smart? Isn't she like, <laughs> you know, so ahead of the times, like, and really just kind of change the messaging so that it's, it's just this ultra customer centric um, message, really. Uh, so, yeah, and I think today's consumers obviously are also just all about convenience. So, that means they expect um, brands to meet them exactly where they're at. So sometimes that's on a mobile device, sometimes that's through a chatbot, on search engines, wherever that might be. They just they don't want to have to lift any more fingers than they they have to in order to get their questions answered, right? Um, and they have absolutely no problem going to a competitor if you can't answer their question quickly. Enough. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, you know, brand loyalty as we knew it, I think during the days of cable TV and infomercials and all that, um, really does not exist anymore as we knew it then in our days of, you know, digital touch points and automations. Um, I think consumers now are making purchase decisions based on convenience and ease of interaction instead of commitment to specific brand names, right? So for companies everywhere, I think that means a couple things. I think number one, that means that every department on every level of the company, somewhere in their workflow, whether it's HR, accounting, legal, whatever the department is, somewhere in their workflow, they have to focus on customer experience because at the end of the day, the end user, the customer, is the reason that your business exists, right? So we really have to focus on that. Another thing I think is just making sure that you provide customers with those multiple avenues. So we, we want to give the customer every possible opportunity to get in touch with us so that we can help answer their question and solve their problems. Um, because if, if we don't make ourselves available on social media through chatbots, on websites, through mobile apps, if brands are not like on top of it, one step ahead, making themselves available literally at every level possible, customers are super okay with just going to a competitor. <laughs> they have no problem <laughs> with that. So I, yeah, I think, I think those are the two big things. Definitely. I agree with those insights you shared and, you know, that's so important to focus on that customer relations aspect and, um, you know, a company can do everything right. They can have the great PR campaign. They can have great marketing department. They can reach out to customers. But, you know, with all of this sort of cancel culture going around of, you know, people being able to have one bad comment and that can, you know, really start a crisis situation yeah. or one Facebook post or yeah. something that goes on. How can brands proactively prepare for these crisis situations when it comes to customer experience? Yeah, um, I think that, first of all, I, I work in a really, really unique industry, um, especially when it comes to this topic. So on the one hand, waste and recycling services are, is never not going to be in demand, right? So we, we're never going to run short of people who need not just want, but like genuinely need our services. <laughs> um, I mean, think, well, the, the think about what would happen if all the waste and recycling companies just decided to shut down tomorrow, <laughs> it, like the world would descend into chaos. So at the end of the day, I think we're pretty immune to completely folding unless it's a very serious crisis because folding under a crisis. But on the other <laughs> hand, um, <laughs> we own landfills, right? And landfills are necessary. Um, if we didn't have landfills, I mean, like our planet would literally be overcome drowning in trash. Um, but if you so much as like include the word landfill in one of your company's names, um, you will have very well-intentioned uh, community members picketing <laughs> outside your door like tomorrow. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's really tricky. And, and when in reality, there's a lot of really good environmental efforts that we're doing, even at the landfill level, especially at the landfill level. So for example, we're helping lead the charge as a company of converting landfill gas into renewable energies for the community or communities around us. Um, and that's huge. That's very exciting. That's a really big deal. And it's kind of cutting edge. Um, and I found that by just proactively talking about these efforts um, and, and really putting these educational resources in front of people of all the amazing things that, that we are doing, 
even as a waste industry um, for the environment, for the planet, and, and just making sure that, that all of those things are kind of preemptively put in front of their eyes, whether that's on social media, whether that's through, you know, local school programs, whether that's on the website, on billboards, what have you. Um, but if, if you can really get ahead of that messaging, I found that it, it really helps to temper that conversation a bit. So I think it takes a little foresight and foresight and, and really thinking into the future of what are the possible issues we could have with our brand and how do we really get ahead of that messaging. Yeah, definitely. And I love how you mentioned that as well of, you know, being so transparent with, you know, your publics, because I've talked about this on multiple occasions in other episodes. And even I just recently did an episode all about Gen Z and PR. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things that this upcoming generation that I'm a part of, um, you know, looks for in marketing and communications is brands being very transparent and authentic with their audiences because, you know, we're the generation that's, you know, on TikTok watching people, you know, just unload their groceries and we find that compelling. <laughs> so definitely like, right. you know, being so open with your audiences and know, knowing everything that's going on. I feel like that's such a plus for companies, at least in this current climate of um, communications. So, so yeah, you, you had such an interesting journey going from, you know, your interests in storytelling to then journalism and even the international relations and then finding your way in the communications world and now to this unique role that you have now. So, you know, what advice do you have for college students who are in communications, studying communications, and they're looking to find that niche within the industry? Yeah. A couple things. One, if you are about to graduate and you're looking at jobs and you're filling out applications and you, you land an interview or two, um, I really encourage you, and I know everyone says this, but I would even take it one step further, you know, research the company that you want to work for. Um, really look into their history, how they got started, look at the industry as a whole, look at the different trends, see what you can pick up on, and then Create some strategies, whether it be marketing, PR, communications in general, whatever it is that you're wanting to do, create those strategies and take those with you to the interview. I don't think people think that that's too bold or forward. I think people are going to be really impressed by that. And I think in my experience anyway, it's really served me well is just to kind of know the brand, know the issues in the industry and proactively create these strategies and, and, you know, maybe even take a proposal or a presentation with you to the interview. Um, I, I would really encourage that. And then also don't be afraid to take kind of the lower paying jobs, um, especially if they're at smaller companies or like nonprofit organizations or, or something like that right out of school. I think, you know, obviously working for a larger established company might be the, the end goal, um, but you're really not going to get the opportunity to cut your teeth at these larger companies like you would if you took maybe the lower paying job at a smaller company. And I, I'm not saying stay there, right? Like get in, <laughs> get your experience, build your portfolio, and then move on when the time is ready. But definitely don't shy away from, from those opportunities. Yeah, that's such a great tip you just shared, because I feel like sometimes it's easy to get discouraged as an entry level employee, you know, not being able to work on those bigger projects or, you know, being those big meetings. So I love how you mentioned, um, you know, taking those positions at those kind of lower companies to build your portfolio and have things to show to a potential employer at those bigger companies. And going back to, to you know, doing that research that you said on the company and, you know, maybe bring a presentation to the interview, you know, that's such a big you know, plus of LinkedIn, you know, you get to see what everyone's working on at all yeah. times and, you know, what their interests are. I mean, exactly. even 
in my job, um, I work at a PR agency. I feel like I'm doing so much research on these journalists that we're reaching out to and like we can see their Twitter accounts and like that they're watching, you know, how I met your mother oh, on yeah. Monday nights. Like you get to see everything about yeah. everyone now. So it's like so easy to yeah. kind of build that that connection with someone, find a common ground. So that's another great tip you shared. So thank you for sharing the advice for listeners. Yeah, of course. And I also want to say, uh, I think if you pay really close attention to the things in life, and this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's so real that like move you or that, you know, spark some kind of passion or interest in you, like just pay attention to those things and follow that. Like I, I had no idea that I would be in this role today, like <laughs> none. All I knew is that I really liked storytelling and communication, and I really liked meeting new people and talking to people from different backgrounds. Like that's all I knew. And I kind of, I, I followed that. And I, I don't know, I, I think, I, I thank my lucky stars every day that I'm here. <laughs> Um, but I, I really, I would, I would take that for what it's worth. I think that there are things that you are good at, and usually those are the things that really ignite that interest or that passion in you. And so I think if you follow that, like follow your bliss, not to be too like mushy gushy, <laughs> but like if you follow that, you're gonna find happiness. Like it's gonna lead you to the right place. Oh yeah. Definitely. And something I say with this podcast too, is that I love talking about communications and, you know, love talking about things I work on, I'm working on at work and connecting with others in the industry. But, you know, sometimes it's just fun to talk about something you enjoy. Like I really enjoy like early 2000s culture, pop culture and like TV shows. So sometimes like I have yeah. my friend Nicole on the show to like talk about that. So I feel like it's always important to have that love yeah. in your work. And I'm completely echoing what you just said, but definitely, you know, having that in your no, work. Yeah. Well, you're a great example of that. Like, I'm so impressed by you, like, coming out here and, and creating this podcast so early on in your career. I think it, it speaks volumes that, you know, you must really love what you do because you talk about it day in and day out. And, and that's really cool. And I think that that translates into your work for sure. It's, it's top quality. Well, thank you. And uh, Brianna, I have one final question for you. And it's something I asked all my guests. But um, before I get to the question, are you familiar with Sophia Amoruso? Um, is that the girl boss lady? Yes. So <laughs> yes. she she's definitely my favorite girl boss. And because of all her work That's with awesome. like her Netflix show and her books and everything, I love to ask my guests who their favorite girl boss is because I just love sharing, you know, ending the episode on a positive note and sharing like a woman who inspires me and, and you. Um, yeah. So, you know, who is your favorite yeah. girl boss? Okay. Can this be like someone I've never actually met oh yeah to be like an actual okay cool (laughs) um I would say Dara Traceder she's like the the VP of marketing and communications for Peloton um (laughs) I just love her Peloton's like such a fascinating brand and um Dara's a genius she like so effortlessly integrates these teams like from across the whole company and I I wish I could just like sit down with her and pick her brain and like figure out how she did it because I think that's a really big reason Peloton's been such a massive success over the last few years and yeah she and she's from Nigeria which is cool I don't know she's just awesome I like her a lot yeah I'll have to follow her because she must post such interesting things I mean just this past holiday season alone everything they had to go through over at Peloton and even something too that I admire is how they were able to build like those personal brands of all of those Peloton 
trainers or instructors as they call them like I just find that so interesting how like they're their own celebrities now like that's so cool yeah 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 she's I I really I think she's just a genius she's awesome another girl boss I have to write down to follow I feel like every episode I say this (laughs) and every episode I learn about somebody who I have to go and follow right after this episode but thank you so much for being on the show I really loved having you on and getting your expertise and I feel like this was such a great episode that a lot of listeners will enjoy Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much, Paisley. It was really nice to meet you, and I'm I'm honored that you asked me to be part of this. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Want to drop us a line? Click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail, and who knows, it might even end up on the show. See you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade.